Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Ladies and gingerbread men, welcome to another episode of Psychedelicast. I hope you have all had a Merry Christmas and are having a happy holiday season. My name is Clinton Cayley. I am the host of this podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to be with us for another interview segment of the show. Today we've got Colin Wells of Veterans Walk and Talk, a veteran of the armed forces, a plant medicine facilitator, and a brother of the Screaming Abyss. He hails from some alternate captivated universe. In 2016, Colin founded Veterans Walk and Talk, which has held space for veterans all over the country. Based in Southern California, with chapters in Sacramento as well as Oklahoma, their mission is to empower veterans to take control of their health journey. Modalities utilized are exercise, cannabis, psychedelics, and community. Self-reflection in a safe space has proven to alleviate many of the hardships veterans and their loved ones face. Walk and talk therapy coupled with wellness modalities equal a recipe for growth. At Veterans Walk and Talk, every month they hold community outreach events, veteran one-on-one psychedelic slash cannabis walk and talk therapy, and group hikes. They also offer regular trail and beach cleanups, community helpouts with everything that they can. A lot of good stuff going on with Veterans Walk and Talk and uh, Colin himself being a student of mycology. We're going to get into all of that um, and Colin himself will intro- will offer you an introduction beyond what I have done. Thank you once again for joining us here at Psychedelicast. Let's do our housekeeping, and then we will hear from the man himself. Stay with us. Well, the holiday season is upon us. I hope that you guys have all had a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you may celebrate. I know I made a joke about Kwanzaa there just now, um, but that's all that that is, folks, just a joke. I I genuinely hope that you're having a wonderful uh, Christmas holiday season, winter holiday season, winter solstice, any and all of the things that you celebrate with your family and loved ones. I know that right now, me being out of country, I'm certainly missing my family during the Christmas holidays, but uh, we've had a good time here uh, in Brazil as well. Um, If you want to spread some Christmas cheer for the holidays, why don't you do us a favor and... Follow us on social media where you can share all of the funny, hilarious memes that we share. I've done some Christmassy stuff there with some Santa Claus mushrooms, Amanita Muscaria, things like that. Uh, Follow us on social medias at Psychedelicast on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, On Twitter, it's Psychedelicast with two Ts. There you can stay engaged with the show and community as a whole. Uh, I'm actually being reviewed for... um, my, my personal page is being reviewed right now so that I can maintain ownership of my Psychedelicast page because I guess they have to verify me and, and give me like one of those blue checks or something because now the show or the page rather reaches too many people. So I'm currently in the process of being verified, which is kind of odd for me, but it is what it is. Uh, follow us there and show us some support and uh, stay in touch and engaged with the show happenings. Um... If you're under the sound of my voice, you are listening to this podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. I am going to hope that that if you are listening and enjoying 
this podcast, that you are already subscribed to our show on the podcatcher of your choice. Why don't you just go ahead and subscribe on every podcatcher that you have? We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We are on Spotify as well as, of course, iTunes uh, podcasts. So uh, subscribe and drop a little review there. Leave us some stars. That does wonders for the uh, for the visibility of the show in various podcasting apps. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate when you guys help me out in these kinds of ways. It's fantastic. Last but not least, let's talk about Patreon. www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast is where you can join our Psychedelicast Psychonaut community and venture further into the void. We only have one tier there. The price is always the same. We are offering that tier at uh, $3, you will get access to any and all exclusive perks that I post there. So for one flat fee, $3 per month, you'll have access to anything and everything that takes place beyond the paywall of Patreon. Uh, things such as a minimum of four extra episodes per month, exclusive video drops early. So for instance, this uh, interview that you're about to listen to was dropped uh, on Patreon in a video format probably like four or five days ago. So um, it'll be almost a week early when this actually is released. So we always do these kind of things. Uh, the, as soon as I record these interviews, I release the video to my Patreon patrons. Uh, you're going to get the No Trip Sitter episodes, which are growing increasingly, increasingly personal, uh, uncomfortably so. Um, those are kind of my creative outlet and a way to kind of get a little bit deeper into my mind. If you're interest, interested in that kind of thing, if you're not, I totally understand. Um, and lastly, uh, one of our cooler things I think we're offering with the, with the Patreon uh, Psychonauts uh, area is the opportunity to come on the show, be a guest, and tell your own story. I don't think very many podcasts on planet Earth are offering that kind of a perk, especially at, not at $3 a month. So... Thank you so much for those of my uh, for those of our supporters that already exist. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. I love posting things. I post cultivation tips and updates there. Uh, all kinds of anything that's cool that's uh, can be exclusive and extra. I drop there for for those uh, small group of people, and it's growing constantly. And we hope to see you join us there. But to my patrons, thank you so much. I love you guys. You know I do. Um, for everybody else, join us there, www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. $3 a month, you get tons of extra trippy content. Enough said about that. Let's do psychedelic news, baby. In psychedelic news today, I'm going to offer you guys an article from the website SciTechDaily, S-C-I-T-E-C-H, daily.com. The article is entitled, An Amazonian Tea Containing DMT Stimulates the Formation of New Brain Neurons. This article was written by the Universidad Complutense de Madrid on November 6, 2020. One of the main natural components of ayahuasca tea is dimethyltryptamine, which promotes neurogenesis, or the formation of new neurons, according to research led by the Complutense University of Madrid. In addition to neurons, the infusion used for shamanic purposes also induces the formation of other neural cells such as astrocytes and oligodendrocytes. This capacity to modulate brain plasticity suggests that it has great therapeutic potential for a wide range of psychiatric and neurological disorders, including neurodegenerative diseases, explained Jose Angel Morales, a researcher in the UCM and CyberNed Department of Cellular Biology. 
The study, published in Translational Psychiatry, a nature research journal, reports the results of four years of in vitro and in vivo experimentation on mice, demonstrating that these exhibit a, quote, greater cognitive capacity when treated with this substance, according to Jose Antonio Lopez, a researcher in the Faculty of Psychology at the UCM and co-author of the study. Ayahuasca is produced by mixing two plants from the Amazon, the ayahuasca vine, or Banisteriopsis copy, and the Chacruna shrub, or the Cicotria viridis. The DMT in ayahuasca tea binds to a type 2A serotonergic brain receptor, which enhances its hallucinogenic effect. In this study, the receptor was changed to a sigma-type receptor that does not have this effect, thus, quote, greatly facilitating its future administration to patients. In neurodegenerative diseases, it is the death of certain types of neuron that causes the symptoms of pathologies such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Although humans have the capacity to generate new neuronal cells, this depends on several factors and is not always possible. A quote here from Mr. Morales again, the challenge is to activate our dormant capacity to form neurons and thus replace the neurons that die as a result of the disease. This study shows that DMT is capable of activating neural stem cells and forming new neurons. And here we have listed some references and some bibliography, but that is a very promising article to come out of the University of Madrid there, University Complutense de Madrid, um, showing some of the neuronal stimulatory effects of DMT, um, particularly when utilized in an Amazonian brew that we all know and love known as ayahuasca. So fascinating. Thank you for that article from Science Tech Daily. Uh, things are moving fast in the medical psychedelic world. We've seen it kind of slow burning and now it just seems to be exploding. And uh, part of that is very, very promising and uh, hopeful to me. And part of that is, I have to admit, kind of scary to see uh, these types of medicines and compounds and uh, molecules uh, entered into the capitalist system um, is kind of scary. But only time will tell, and I am not here to judge the world's socioeconomic operating systems, which I, which I often do. With all that being said, why don't we get into our chat with Mr. Colin Wells of Veterans Walk and Talk about mushroom microdosing and medicine for veterans. Thank you, guys. Sure am. Start this one like we start most of them. Yeah, I'm out in Brazil. I'm in Sao Paulo. I'm kind of getting hunkered down here, man. I I was uh I was on a little walkabout, and I landed here in Brazil and, and met a woman that I didn't want to leave, and now she got me stuck here. So <laughs> I love it. That's hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, welcome to Psychedelic House, Colin. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, however briefly you'd like to, and tell us a little bit about your uh, project, why we might be speaking with you, and then we'll kind of 
tangent. Okay, sure. Yeah, my name is Colin Wells. I'm the founder of a um, cannabis and psychedelic psychedelic assisted peer therapy group called Veterans Walk and Talk. Um, we founded in uh, December 2016, so it's been four years now. Um, I've hiked all over the country with uh, with veterans from you know Maryland to Texas to uh, Arkansas, all the way through Oklahoma and, and all the way through California, and um, my mission at first was was mainly cannabis and and giving compassion cannabis out on my hikes to veterans who joined me, but I quickly realized that um, psychedelics were like already making their way into what I was doing, whether it be by veterans bringing them or supporters bringing them. It's important to note my group's not open to just veterans; it's open to everybody. But the veterans are the ones that receive the free medicine. Um, so people would bring psychedelics and kind of microdose and sample because we were always hiking in nature. So in the last year, I started being more open about it and um, got into uh, growing medicinal mushrooms, reishi, lion's mane, um, and, you know, some edible uh, mushrooms like chiapinis. And, um, and then I got into growing the psilocybe mushrooms as well. And through doing that, I, I'm able to provide medicine to veterans for free um, without having to go and get sponsors and donations like I did through cannabis. And so now here we are, we're uh, San Diego, Sacramento, um, Los Angeles. We have active hikes going on all month long with uh, trail cleanups and, you know, psychedelic outreach, social justice issues we take on and all kinds of things. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Absolutely, man. And that's cool that it's expanded so quickly. And it, it seems to it seems to be like that, even with just my what I do in my podcast here. Um, there were I was uh, running another podcast that was less. I mean, I talked a lot about psychedelics because they were a big part of my life, but they were it, it wasn't psychedelically focused. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Are you hearing me clearly? Am I good for you? Yeah, I hear you just fine. OK, perfect. Um, so I. Uh, decided to kind of like direct my show a little bit more. Well, not a little bit more, but to direct it for psychedelic um, entrepreneurs and medicine servers and artists and scientists. And I, I basically directed it uh, straight for psychedelics. And like the response I got was exponential by comparison to what I was doing before. And the show as it in this iteration is less than a year old. And and it's probably my reach is probably 50 or 100 times bigger than it was. Um, and that's I'm not saying that as a brag. I'm saying that just because when I decided to I had an ayahuasca experience where I was basically given this message that I should start to cut ties with my fears about being open and being uh, being an advocate for these things. And it was pretty clear in that experience that 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 was a, a message for me. And so I took that and ran with it uh, as far as you, as far as I have to this point, and it it really kind of opened a lot of doors. And then you know I get to I get to talk to cool people like you, and then I get to talk to people who like I've been listening to their stuff for years. You know, like I talk to podcasters who I've like who directly inspired me, and and so I say all that just to speak to kind of listening to that. Uh, for me, it was like a direct message from the grandmother, you know, and sometimes that language can be confusing for people. But to me, that's what it was. And I listened and it kind of just took off from there. 
Um, so I, I feel you on that, man. And it was hard because I was concerned, you know, about my job and like my standing in society and like what people were going to think about me. And, and I still battle that, you know, it's not completely gone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of opened that door for me. I see you got you, uh, what's that next to you? A laminar flow hood. Yeah, this is my flow hood right here that I built. I'm not a very good craftsman, but I, I, I did a pretty good job with this. I've, I've had some, I've had some really good success with it so far. Hell yeah. I don't know if you can see over my shoulder right here, but this is a jar, a couple jars that I just sterilized. I know it's blurred, but, uh, about to do some inoculation myself. Yeah, dude. My lab, I, I've got my microscopes and my books, and I even have grandfather cactus here, one of them. I have a friend who breeds um, wachumas. So this is uh -huh. a, a hybrid that he created, and this sits in here with me. Wachuma has been an amazing psychedelic modality for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, when I did it, uh, it's funny because you and I are talking at the winter solstice because I did wachuma at the autumnal solstice, and it was, um, you know trans-dimensional altering my entire fabric of being, you know, never ever looked at anything ever the same. And you're right about the, the connections that come through psychedelics. It's like once you open that door and you tap into the fact that there's so much more and that you're everyone and I'm everyone and we are everyone, the connections, whether it be massive on massive scales or even smaller intimate you know, connections, they're just, they're very profound and they come when you need them. And that's been one of the most amazing things about psychedelics. But yeah, man, you're, you hit it on the head. Citizen scientists, people doing the work, you know, just, you know, well, what's it going to take? Well, you know, our, <coughs> our country, America is in a bad way, has been for a long time. Especially yeah. With veterans, like I, I help and, you know, the war that I fought in Afghanistan has been going on for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Um kids like they've never known a time without war if you put it yep. put it into that kind of perspective mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah it's up to us to shepherd the great uh great second coming of awareness man and you know growing your own doing your own research your own experiments if you're able to that's that's the best i love doing that shit i agree man it's it's a you know it started as a hobby and i was just thinking about this today oddly enough because here in brazil uh, psilocybin and DMT are both legal to possess, sell, and to uh, create, basically, wow. because simply because they're they're illegal because they haven't been made illegal because gotcha. it's such it's such a non-entity for people here and they're used in generally obviously anyone who uses these medicines knows these are a non-entity in the first place, but as far as needing legal. As far as needing, as far as having legal ramifications for these things, it's nonsensical. Everyone knows that if you're drinking ayahuasca, you're lucky to be able to get up off the ground. What you're not gonna go, you know, do like right. rob somebody or do something right. crazy. Um, and and this is, you know, inherently obvious when using these medicines. Um, but yeah, for the simple reason that they haven't been made illegal, they they remain legal here. So when I found that out, I was like. Okay, well, I have a skill set that is useful here because of my time cultivating and uh, extracting and and brewing and and doing various things with plant medicines. And uh, I I almost only work with plants now. I don't I haven't used synthetic 
psychedelic substances in quite some time because it's these are easier to access this way and and i i prefer the 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 relationship of growing it and spending time with it and failing and learning and finally figuring it out and you know it's almost like a it's almost like a psychedelic journey in and of itself especially with mushrooms because it takes time to learn you fuck it up so many times and then you finally get it right and then you you take your first trip with your your products and it's you know it's all beautiful and amazing like like raising kids almost man but you're like watching like taking a spore or a liquid culture or to agar to all this stuff and then you know putting it to actually a fruiting body is like one of the most i mean i i just the moment i was able to get mushrooms to start growing i was hooked that was it I was like, I don't care how many fucking stupid questions I have to ask. I'm going to learn everything I can about this stuff because it is just the most fascinating thing. My mycelium all day long. This is what my mycelium all day long. Is yeah. I'm, so obsessed. I'm so obsessed. So yeah, I feel you on that. Me so too. Yeah. And I can tell you one of the one of the like greatest triumphs that I had, it was with an ex-partner of mine. And this partner suffered from a lot of... Uh, various uh, anxieties and depressive states and, and just some nothing like uh well yeah it got pretty serious a few times but suffice to say this person struggled with anxiety and depression and this is what triggered me to start to uh grow again when i was in the states last year and because i was i had started with cbd and i was trying to help her move through kind of these modalities that i had moved through and um so I, I went with the mushrooms and I started helping her microdose and, and learning these things. And I remember like the first three or four days she microdosed and she told me like everything is quiet in my head for like the first time ever. Yeah. And like to me that was like it made me it just made me cry, you know, because it was like I had a hand in in creating this medicine that's brought her this peace that's going to hopefully bring peace to our relationship. The relationship has obviously since gone its way, um, and that's all good. But, uh, yeah, this, the sense of accomplishment that I felt from 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 creating or having my hand in, in producing this medicine and having it have such a profound effect on her was very uh, – was very changing for me because I was like, you know what, I – Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not this like shamanic figure, but I can be the guy who does the sciencey part to help produce this medicine for people to to heal with. And uh, so, yeah, that that whole process was just really eye opening to me because I used to do it when I was younger and and uh, I'd give I'd give it away and, and work with people. And but I, I didn't really have the the spiritual sense, I guess, that I have now because my ayahuasca just rocked my world so deeply. It just changed everything, you know, like you were saying, like you were saying about your Wachuma experience. It was one of those experiences that just like after it was over, I so many core tenets of what I believed about reality and death. And yeah, it's like I can't I can't live the same way anymore because these like three or four things that I thought I knew for sure I was wrong about for sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, so- their own potential too. Right. I mean, it's like we, in, in, you know, in America, especially everything is, you know, wake up, go to work, eat your meals, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, eat your meals, go to sleep. And then it's, it's like, once you break from that, 
you know, it, it, you just can never look back. And, you know, so that's microdosing is a huge part of what I do, but I, I really encourage veterans and people who can, I found it also psychedelic walk and talk, which is my other um, venture that I've started. I've done, uh, well, I've done several like group retreats with veterans with 25 to 30 veterans all in the woods or the desert for an extended period of time doing LSD and mushrooms. But um, now I'm starting to do actually one-on-one -on -one where I'll take a veteran out and give them a, a hero's dose of psilocybin or let them hit some DMT and watch over them. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's like these tendencies of, and, and, you know, the science behind it is fascinating as well. You know, traumatic memories, firing synapses, giving your body a reaction to that memory that is negative. So if you can rewire that somehow and come back from it with, a completely different notion of what is real or what it is that you went through or what it is that you're capable of. That's the biggest thing. We, we're so capable as human beings, but we dumb ourselves down. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't tap into the inner sanctions of our spirit and of our, of our core self, and especially veterans, because we fracture that morality through moral injury taking life. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you take someone's life and not only do you take someone's life, but you come back and you find out that the country that you took that life for doesn't have your best interests at, at heart and that you literally fractured, this is me speaking from experience, fractured your entire sense of self in order to commit one act that changed the fabric of possibly an entire family that you'll never see again. Meanwhile, we're back here in this country making movies and talking about how it hurts us and it hurts us to have done it when these are families and people that we left completely in shambles in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. So for me, with psychedelic use, I, I take the intention of tapping into that fabric, that, that web, if you will, that connects me back to the person I was when I did these things and, and, and processing them and rewiring that kind of memory so that it's not as debilitating and that I don't, you know, live with the fear of seeing their faces all the time or seeing the faces of the people uh, when I die, you know, is it, is it going to be nothing but the seventh circle of hell and you, 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 you know, no, it's not that. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it is everyday soul crushing, you know, mind altering, you know, ego dissolving, you know, escapism. That, um, that really helps the veteran process things that we've been through. So, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I want to direct the conversation more in that direction. Um, uh, I One of my early episodes of the show was with a local uh, – I'm, I'm a Houstonian. I'm from Texas. And uh, there's a buddy of mine there who runs a couple of operations similar to what you do um, – his name is Andy Melder. You said Texas. Is there any chance you would know Andy Melder? I don't, I don't think I know Andy. You'd be surprised, man, that like the 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 connections that in this, if you want to call it subculture, whatever you want to call it, this community, a lot of people that I know that I've come to know even locally know other people around the world and shit. It's really right. crazy. So uh, yeah, it really is. It's like a mycelial network. Um, but anyways, Andy is a is a veteran um, medic and he does um, greenside total wellness 
which is kind of a multi-modality healing for veterans, which includes nature walks, uh, microdosing psychedelics, uh, health and wellness, like as far as diet and exercise. It's kind of like an all-encompassing project. Somebody I need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put you in touch with him, man. You, you really – yeah, absolutely. He's a great guy and he's he's very active and he's very like uh he's he's much he's very much an activist and he's working on something in Mexico right now putting together an actual retreat center specifically for veterans. So, for sure you uh, this is be somebody you'd like to be in contact yeah, with. Amazing. That's something we're actively working on as well to do in here at Stateside. Um building an application to connect veterans nationwide and and more retreat centers, more spaces the cannabis community has really stepped up and, you know, they see the benefits of, of all of these things, not just cannabis. And so people like the Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance and Doc Ray and up in Northern California, these are, these are people who I'm working with to bring retreat space to California. So I'd love to talk to Andy. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely a guy that you dig, you dig and get along with. And he's, he, he's a cool ass dude. I haven't seen him in a while. If Andy's listening, shout out Andy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me a little, I'm really interested in veterans walk and talk. I saw you posted your, like your microdosing stacks the other day and you were giving away your secret recipe and you have, I, if I'm getting this right, it's like you have two, you have a walker and a talker. So can you, like, I'm really interested in the project in general, but I'm also specifically interested in these like microdose stacks you've come up with. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the like di- di- the difference between the walkers and the talkers and just kind of break it down for us? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. And um, it's important to note that I am a, an amateur mushroom grower and an expert mushroom eater. OK, I'm not I'm still in my <laughs> learning phase of growing mushrooms and and putting these things together. I'm like, if you want to call I like the term citizen scientist. I'm not degreed in any sense of the word. I don't have, I just literally try things on myself, and if it works, I try it on a few people, and then if that works, I try it on more people. So, um, you know, just that disclaimer ahead of time. But, yeah, these are, I have them here. These are the, um, these are the walkers here, um, and these are the talkers, slightly different colors. Uh, this, the talkers have a, a green and blue spirulina, which, which gives it the green kind of tint to it. Mm-hmm. I'm using penis envy mushrooms right now. The reason being is um, I find the penis envy cubensis to be, you know, as as most of us know, six times on average, six times stronger than most cubensis. So it, what it allows me to do is uh, most microdose capsules that I've come across in the in the space are 165 to 200 milligrams. That's about the standard microdose. And so what I'm able to do with these is use about 90 to 100 milligrams of psilocybin fruit body, um, of fruit body, not psilocybin, of fruit body in the, in the capsules, which allows me for a lot of space for synergistic, you know, Ayurvedic herbs and, and medicines. Um, <coughs> the, the talkers I, are more for the brain. Um, again, they have, uh, you know, spirulina, ginger, ashwagandha, cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, pearl, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on everything right now. It's, it's so much well, fun. I'll link, I'll link your, what that post you made and all that the uh, other day. Yeah. Absolutely, man, because, uh, you know, I've, I, 
if anyone's familiar with microdosing and mushroom world in general, you know, I'm sure people know Paul Stamets. I'm sure you're familiar with Paul Stamets. And uh, it's like you've taken kind of the Stamets stack, which I believe is lion's mane, psilocybin, and niacin, I think is his yeah. stack. Niacin and you kind of like just – yeah, exactly. And you've kind of just like revved it up like with the uh, ashwagandha. And I, I can't, once again, I can't remember either, but I remember reading your list and I was like every every ingredient. I was like, holy shit, this sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, they work really well. And I have it here. Um, Actually, yeah, the walkers here. Um, These have been my more popular ones, the veterans that I've given these out to. And again, so you come hike with veterans, walk and talk. We're a private group. I, I'm not a nonprofit organization. I have no business license, nothing like that. We are just a private members group. Um, you sign up on our member form on our website, veteranswalkandtalk.com. You get information on where to meet and when. And when you do, you show up. And usually I'll give you 10 to 20 of these capsules. 10 to 20 being a pretty good amount because I advise veterans two days on, one day off, which is the Fatiman protocol. Uh, the Stamets protocol, I believe, is five days on, two days off, um, which some veterans do as well. But I, I find two days on, one day off, you get a little bit more of that afterglow going um, on the day off. Whereas <laughs> the five days, it's harder to kind of discern between the, the times you're dosing and the times you're not. And also, mm -hmm. I don't want veterans, I don't want to ever just give them anything that they, that I, that and then give them the impression that it's just going to fix everything. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes effort. And, and, and so that's, that's the protocol I like, the Fatiman protocol. That's what I do. Um, I've done it for about a year now, and it's been amazing. So, yeah, the walkers here, they have vitamin C, vitamin D3, B12, vitamin A, calcium, and uh, carrot, actually. And carrot used, is, was a medicine originally. Um, ginger, cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, spirulina, turmeric, black pepper, ashwagandha, and penis envy. So yeah, wow. a lot of good stuff in these. And then the, yeah, dude. I wish I had a bottle of those right now, man. That. The <laughs> and then I'll, I'll hand them to the screen. Dude. Here you go. Yeah, right. Appreciate it, dude. <laughs> and then the talkers um, have a little bit more in them. Um, less less fruit body of penis envy. There's more fruit body of penis envy in the walkers. And the talkers have tocos uh, collagen, ashwagandha, flaxseed, pearl, yasing, reishi. Spirulina, D3, C, vitamin C, vitamin B12, turmeric, moringa, ginger, rice protein. I like that because it kind of binds a little bit, uh, helps mm -hmm. the stomach. Vitamin A, calcium, cordyceps, lion's mane. And then about 90 milligrams penis envy. And again, plus or minus five milligrams margin for error. But wow. um, I've had the most amazing results with these. Like <laughs> female veterans telling me that they were microdosing and then um, got their periods and didn't take any cannabis or Tylenol or Motrin or anything like that. Just literally no pain. Um, a veteran, like veterans, the biggest thing with microdosing is they're reconnecting with their children in ways that they didn't really think they ever would be able to. Reigniting that childish sense of play, that wonder of random, you know, being able to be random and silly with their children, um, which is really hard for veterans, especially ones that have gone career 10, 20 years. And they're mm -hmm. just, you know, yeah, just kind of those walls down. And, um, you know, it just, it's just really about access. And that's, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, I could preach that this stuff works all the, all day long, but veterans seeing this in, you know, Mississippi and Kentucky and Texas and places where 
cannabis isn't not isn't known, which is kind of like the, the gateway to healing cannabis. Um, you know, that's the big thing is access, access, access. What I do mm -hmm. is, you know, in a lot of ways, not. I mean, I, I guess I could get in trouble for it in some way. I mean, grow, gather, give. These things are still illegal when it comes to psilocybin mushrooms. They are not. Um, you can <laughs> decriminalize, which I hate that word, but uh, decriminalize means they want you to take it under a therapy protocol. You know, go eat the mushroom, take the capsule, then sit in the office until it's gone, and then you leave and go home. And this is a capitalistic mentality. And that's what makes me crazy about this new renaissance of psychedelics. You can't capitalize on these things. You just can't. You, you can sell pounds of mushrooms and make some money and stuff like that and know that you put good intention into them. And from what they do from there, all more power to you. And I love it. But <laughs> and that that in and of itself, if that's your capitalistic nature when it comes to mushrooms, I can understand it. But when it comes to this clinical setting and and trying to discover drugs that will pull you out of a psilocybin trip so that you can have a one-hour session and go home and things like that. That's when it makes me crazy. I, I just, I can't stand it. And so that's why I've just dedicated myself to giving these things out for free because um, they're not, these things weren't mine to begin with. So. Sure. And it's, you bring up a good point there. Cause I, I can't remember where I read this, but I, I, I want to say, I think I just read it as an internet comment somewhere where someone said to the effect, uh, I want to try LSD, but I would like it to have like a, like, or what if LSD had like a, a something you could pull to stop the trip? And I'm like, well, if any of these things had that, it would completely defeat the purpose because anyone going on a high enough dose is going to – if they have that option, they're going to pull that cord before they get through the through what they need to go through. I know that in my ayahuasca session, if I had a rip cord to get me out, I would have pulled it many times. And I'm so thankful that that was not an option because once I had gone through the gauntlet, it was you know one of the most transformative and beautiful things in totality, including the hyper intense soul crushing moments of despair and, and fear. And uh, I think I'm crazy and all these things that, that can go through your mind during these experiences. But when I think back about it now, I don't think of those. I think of this beautiful connection to nature and everything and all of existence. And, and that's how I view it because I didn't quit whenever it, I was afraid because I, I right. couldn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you literally and, can't have to, you have to, you, even if, even if, for people like us who understand breath work and meditation and, and calming your scent and centering yourself when these things come, I mean, if you're just a veteran or someone who has never tried these things, the, that is, you're exactly right. I mean, it's like, it's like you're hiking Mount Everest and all of a sudden you just put on a parachute and go back down to the bottom because you're, you're done. That's not how this works. You finish yeah. the top of the mountain. I always liken psychedelic work, you know, that to jumping into a freezing lake. Like, you know, it's going to be cold. The plunge is going to be cold, but it's going to be worth it. It's mm -hmm. worth the plunge. It's worth the cold. It's worth the knowing what your body's capable of. Right. If that's what yeah. it's all about. And it's also, you know, it can show you, it can show you <clears throat> psychologically that your limits are much more vast than you thought. You can handle more than you thought, you know, because I know that I've been in the midst of experiences where I thought I cannot take this anymore. Please, this has to stop. This has to stop. And 
then I find something within myself or some tactic or method or I let go or whatever needs to be done and I make it through. And when the experience is done, I'm like, dude, if I can handle that, I think I can fucking handle anything, you know, which is kind of an egoic, egoic way to look at it. But it's like, man, I've been in some, some situations where looking after it's over and I look back, I'm like, holy shit, dude, that was crazy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's how it was with Wachuma. And like, like I even find myself trying to explain it to other people and, if you go to my Instagram or you can check out our, our series called Letters to Medicine, where we have veterans. I did the first one, write, you know, a journal entry about their trip and then read it. But, you know, that that was a huge part of um, of what what Chuma did for me was it was just this like door opening to a greater sense of of connection to everything around me. Like if I laid on a rock i downloaded everything that rock ever saw throughout its entire piece of existence if i if i grabbed onto a tree i became the tree and i could see what the tree sees and i saw every hiker that threw trash and every hiker that picked up trash and everything that ever happened that that tree witnessed and when you come back from these things you know you're not only a better self but you're a better father a better lover a better more intuitive friend, um, leader, all, all these things. And, and, you know, that's, that's really what it's all about is, is pushing your boundaries to, to something that you're, you're unfamiliar with and then coming through it, you know, with the, the knowledge now all of a sudden you're familiar with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's an invaluable lesson and that can help build a lot of confidence and a more confident person is generally a more effective person. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good for for you personally, and I think it's good for the people around you when you Absolutely. stretch yourself and you do something that scares you and you do it anyways, you know. And that's kind of become a theme for me because, look, dude, I've been taking psychedelics for like 15 years, and I am my. It, it's more difficult for me now than it was when I started by by magnitudes. Right. You know, I I have fears, I have anxieties, I have doubts, I have. Um, I have all these things, particularly leading up to the consumption of of the medicine, and I've come to re- you know, and I have a lot of I've talked about this before. I've heard a lot of people say, "Dude, why are you afraid? Come on, man! Like, are you afraid of your own mind? Are you afraid of your own mind?" I'm like, bro, this is the fear for me is a part of the experience. The fear is a part of the gauntlet. I have to have that in order to go through it, do it anyways, and get past it and learn something from it. And it, and for me, it's that hasn't changed in all these years. It's a part of every experience that I have. And, uh, and I'm of the ilk that there are no bad trips because I've never had one before. I've seen – and I can kind of hop off on this right now because I have a good – well, not a good friend, but I have an acquaintance here in Brazil who just came back from an ayahuasca ceremony on Saturday. And, dude, she's fucked up. She's in a bad way. Yeah, she's in a bad way. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that briefly because it's actually happening in my life right now. I've never seen anyone react so badly for so long to any substance. And uh, we'll she apparently – I would say start with the basics. Is she on any kind of prescriptions at all? Yeah. Um, I, and like I, I don't know her very well. She's a, a – She's a like a, a lodger here at my girlfriend's house, kind of, and we kind of got to know her over a week or two, and she decided she wanted to go drink ayahuasca, <clears throat> and she went, 
And I was kind of busy doing other things. And like, I, you know, I talked to her and said, Hey, Oh, you're going to drink ayahuasca. Like, are, like, are, do you think you're ready? Or, you know, just kind of touched on it lightly. Um, and she, she seemed confident. She seemed like level headed. And so she went and did whatever she did. And she came back Sunday. She was, she drank Saturday, I guess, during the night. And she came back here on Sunday well, really Monday morning at like one or two o'clock in the morning and she's completely out of it, not rambling, making no sense. She's, she's having like a full blown psychotic episode. Yeah. She's completely lost touch with reality. And so I sat up with her most of Monday night from when I, cause my girlfriend called me and she's like, Hey, Brenda's back here and she's really freaked out and she's really struggling and I'm like, okay, who the fuck left her there? How did she get in this state? And okay, we need to find these people who did this and see first, do they have, are they using Datura? Are they using Brumancia? Like this yeah. shit's growing on, this shit's growing on every street corner here. And I know a lot of people like to use these, these dissociatives for a little extra kick. Um, So I got over here and I'm kind of like just sitting with her, you know, we, we kind of, I just create like a safe, like a, a safe, comfortable place for her. And for a few hours, she's like in and out of like a very agitated, like jumping up, wanting to escape, like physically, like leave and go to, I don't know where the streets of Sao Paulo. And then she's kind of meditative and crying and she's almost purging. And so I'm like, okay, maybe she's just, her ceremony is going longer than everyone had anticipated. And so I try to provide her with comfort and the things that she needs. And finally, she finally goes to sleep and she wakes up and she's still just as out of it. And now she's gone. I don't know where she's gone now, but she's like not, she's not back yet. And so anyways, that hasn't come to a conclusion, but poor girl, I don't know what happened to her, man. And I talked to the, I talked to the people who were running the uh, retreat or whatever. And uh, they seem legit. They seem like they did what they thought was best for her and they cared for her as to the extent that they could. And they used a clean brew from what I can tell. It's only, only the vine and the leaf, but, uh, maybe there's some history of mental illness there. Maybe there is some history of prescription. Maybe she didn't cause she kind of decided on a whim, you know, so she didn't die. If she dieted at all, she didn't diet for very long. That's gotta, I mean, I always, whenever I hear of these things, I always stress to start, you know, with the, with the simplest, you know, explanation, which could very well be an SSRI still in her system that's mm-hmm. responding, poor, as you know, poorly to the medicine and mm-hmm. or just bouncing back and forth, back and forth. Um, but that's, that's scary, man. That's, that's scary stuff. And um, I don't know. I've, I've even talked to some, I've, I personally have never done ayahuasca. I'm still... When I did Wachuma, that set me for a while, and I, I had opportunities to do ayahuasca, but it's like, you know, I was like, well, I'm good for a while. I, I, I've got what I need out of it. When it calls to me, I will do it. Sure. Um, but, you know, you're right, man. Preparation is so important. I work with the Heroic Hearts Project, which is a veteran organization out of Florida, which does ayahuasca ceremony for veterans. They're, um, I think, believe, the only legal... Um, nationwide nonprofit that is facilitating these things for veterans at the moment, and they're they're very strict about their protocol. Um, 
diet prerequisites. Um, and also they do, they encourage you to do six ceremonies within 10 days. So, I mean, Ooh. these are the, yeah, these are the types of things that are like, you know, woo, out there. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like if a veteran goes in there with any, like, no, if, if he's not truthful about, if the veteran is not truthful about his or her medicines, um, mental health issues, or you're right, in some cases, even diet, um, <laughs> that could be very, very debilitating for people. Mm -hmm. I think these are the types of stories that my, my hope for your friend is that she comes out of this however long it takes um, with a greater understanding of, you know, everything. But again, when you hear about these psycho psychological breakdowns and it's it, it does put a like a little bit of a question behind the everything about it and 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 it's it's a little bit scary but um mm -hmm. I've, i mean maybe try some lion's mane mushroom you know tea that might help her a lot yeah well uh, and you know we, like it seems that she's like incrementally regaining her grasp and she kind of she'll slip every now and then back into a more like manic seemingly psychotic state and um today she was seeming pretty close to reality and she was like demanding she has a, a good friend that she really trusts like i said us here we're just her acquaintances dude we're not like we don't know her really so she has a good friend that she has a bond with in rio de janeiro which is like a four or five hour bus ride so she basically demanded that we take her to the bus in a seemingly lucid state and so we took her to the bus and put her on a bus to go to Rio de Janeiro. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know what else we can do beyond physically restrain her. Or like, I don't know what the fuck to do, man. Yeah, that's, um, that's a line you don't want to cross with anyone either. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's also that she's been through this experience, which has been traumatic to her. So even when she get, come, came back here, she's looking at us very like I can just feel it coming off of her that she's very wary. She's not wanting to engage with us so much. And I, I understand totally. It's like, I get it. Um, well, she so. may be just wondering something deep down as well that she, even the ayahuasca is having trouble bringing up. And, and that, 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 that's honestly the vibe that I got from her because it seemed like she was just internally just struggling so hard. And, and, and when I talked to the shaman or, or the assistant, the provider there, he said, we talked to her, we spent hours with her solo and she is very – he said – what he said was she's really tough, and she's got something in her that is trying to work its way out, and she is fighting it so so staunchly that it's not – she's not letting it go. And I was like, I, you know, I can kind of see that. Um, so maybe – I hear you, brother. I, I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you, but no. for me, like I was, I was a very bad addict. Um, as bad of an addict as you'll ever meet. I, I even shot myself in the leg right here um, just to get painkillers, just because I knew if I had a gunshot wound, they'd give me all the fucking painkillers I wanted. I mean, I was lower than low. And with psychedelics, I say they healed my addiction, and truly they did, because eventually one day I just, and it's like that with physical pain. It's like this with anything. Eventually one day the psychedelics just, I looked at myself and I said, you are an addict. You're an addict. You need to stop. You, need, you, 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 can't, you can't keep floating around saying, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll be okay. I'm, no, I'm fine. You have to face these things head on. And until then, it's like 
<laughs> you know, you don't mm-hmm. know what to do with yourself. And so, I mean, as we know, ayahuasca is absolutely gut-wrenching, soul-fucking-smashing medicine. But mm-hmm. if you're not ready to face what it tells you, it can really rip you apart. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope that whatever you or any shaman she talks to or anybody down there, you know, tells her just sit with what it's telling you you need to look in the mirror and face it um other than that it's probably something chemically going on but yeah you know to to me it seemed like maybe a good combination of both man um because like i said when i when i went to drink ayahuasca they sent me the dieta which is you know abstinence from many things including in my case i abstained from all any and all drug use down to caffeine nicotine and ibuprofen like i didn't for a month, I was completely sober. Um, I abstained from sex. I abstained from many foods that I liked, but I was I was well read and researched in this. And I said, "Look, I'm going all the way to Peru to the jungle, ra- rather to the mountains, and you know, I'm spending quite a good deal of money. And I'm also going to be in a situation, you know, all these things. I want to be. I want my body to be a temple. So that way." When I undergo this experience, I know I don't have this in the back of my head saying, um, you should have been you should have been tighter on your diet. You shouldn't have taken that ibuprofen. You shouldn't have done this. So when I'm going through these difficult things, there any experience that I know that I'm as ready as I can be. Now, how ready are you to undergo that experience? Not ever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but but I would. It's a really important topic, actually, because for me personally, like psilocybin is the, the number one psychedelic modality that I, I, I partake in. And I just came back from the mountains with my family, um, had a very good journey there with my girlfriend on some white white teachers that I grew myself. And it was incredible and a great experience. But the mushrooms are speaking to me through big doses and microdoses even, even when I microdose. There's something in my head telling me that I need to take a break from them, even though they help me, even though I love them with all my heart and soul. And they and it, but it's like that with cannabis and psilocybin and all psychedelics right now. Every single time I partake or I journey, I see myself and it's I am being told you need to focus on the temple that you're given right now. You, these things they do help you, but you've been using them for a while now, and it's time for you to start meditating more and doing more breath work and exercising your body to the point of of absolute potential. And so, in the next year, in 2021, and especially given the winter solstice and everything, that is something that I'm going to dedicate myself to, which is to um to to, to really try to tap into these this inner part that the mushrooms bring out of me without the mushrooms um i'm mm-hmm. still going to grow them i'm still going to interact with them on a daily basis but you're, you're hitting it on the head man like you have to listen to the medicine and like every single time i've been taking mushrooms even and it's ta- i've been stubborn about it i no, no 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 i'm not stopping fuck that hey i love this i love it i'm mm-hmm. not stopping and then every time i take some i'll be like oh, i feel great i'm good but it's something telling me it's time for me to take a little break and so that's, it's, you know, breaking and sitting with yourself and being okay with the, the mind, body, spirit is as important as being able to go and do these 10 gram mushroom journeys and things like that. Mm-hmm. What's the most amount of psilocybin you've ever taken? 
Me, not not particularly high because I'm very I'm very uh, susceptible to the psychedelics. I don't need much to have these like absolutely mind blowing experiences, or what's what is to me a mind blowing experience. Uh, I think the highest dose of psilocybin I've ever take I've ever taken would be cubensis, and it's probably. My initial dosing was in the range between three and five, I would assume, because I had nine grams total, and I ended up eating the rest of the nine grams throughout the day. Like I, I, My initial dose was probably four or five, and yeah. then I kind of just munched my way through the rest after I had this like massive peak, and I was kind of in like the afterglow, and I was like feeling really man. I mean, manic is not a good word to use, but I was feeling very like elevated, very giddy. And so I was like, I don't want to leave this yet. And so I kind of just would take like another gram at a time and just kind of stay in that afterglow for a few hours. Um, but that was pretty mind bending. That was one of my most intense psychedelic experiences. Another one would be on LSD when I was very young. I took what what I was told was two hits of LSD. I, at this point, I have no idea how much it was, but it was completely reality paradigm shifting. Um, and, but then when I had the ayahuasca experience last year, I mean, during the experience, I was literally laughing at like – I was laughing about like thinking I had – tripped before i'm like this like nothing yeah. compares to that's this how I, have I totally relate i totally yeah. relate um I, I follow this guy uh i think his instagram is dave hemp but he runs an oakland church uh of mushrooms and he does massive doses he sat for a guy uh last month uh that did 128 grams of mushrooms holy jesus yeah, and like they make a tea and they, they you know steep it several times and it's just blue as Kool-Aid and and apparent and like the room he has to I've never facilitated anything like this just to make that clear but the room he has them in is lined with plastic sheets like Dexter like a like a murder scene but I guess you just everywhere. Oh and Jesus, like, I bet. He, he routinely every week does 10 to 15 grams and at at one time and and he says it's you know, transformative deity speaking, you know, much like uh, ayahuasca and a true thing. But yeah, I'm just, I mean, I think that in the next year, probably going to abstain from, from mushrooms for a while. I plan on doing Wachuma again in the spring, um, but I'll probably abstain and then do a, do more like a, a 10 gram dose. Cause like, like you said, eight grams has been about my max throughout a day as well. Mm -hmm. and that's mind-bending and beautiful but yeah um let's see here i just had a thought and i brain farted it god damn it <laughs> dude, all the time yeah dude especially when i'm recording a podcast i don't care these people are used to this shit uh speaking of those speaking of those mega stupid i mean i, I don't i use stupid just in a funny way, but like those right. stupid doses like that, like yeah. uh, Kalindi EE, I'm sure you're familiar with Kalindi EE. Yeah, yeah, that's him, Dave Hemp and him work together. He just died of COVID, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. He was a really, really interesting figure. I love listening to his talks because he's really got that kind of like urban style where he's like, 
uh, I remember I saw an interview where someone asked him, how do you consume an ounce of mushrooms? He's like, what do you, what do you mean? I sit down and I fucking eat them. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I always love listening to him talk about these, like these ounce mushroom trips where, you know, he's just describing, he's like, uh, his wife died a couple years passed away a couple years before him and he's like yeah i have a house in the on the other side my wife is there and so one of the first things i do when i enter this space is i always go visit my wife and spend some time with her and then quite often i'll be taken to another planet or another universe or another time or another dimension and sometimes i do literal warfare and battle with these like these uh malevolent entities and then sometimes i'm taken on a journey with these benevolent entities and uh it's just fascinating to hear people who have the balls to sit and chew their way through 28 grams like you know you're gonna you're gonna be tripping before you get through all 28 for sure what is driving (laughs) you to continue i think that's why they make tea now with these high doses because you just and then you sit there just you're gone but you you know that's an interesting topic as well because i myself am a writer and a creator and that's something that you know i've always done my whole life i come from a long line of writers throughout my family my mom's a very accomplished writer and um writing and and relaying information is something that i find to be very beneficial for me in many ways hunter s thompson's my hero um, so I, I take as well. <laughs> I love the, my my whole arms, Hunter S. Thompson. Oh uh, yeah, got over. some of the Gonzo artwork. Oh yes, I see. Yeah, wonderful. So, um, but I, I so I take the Gonzo journalism approach to psychedelics, whereas like Aldous Huxley with Doors of Perception and Heaven and Hell, you know, writing about and 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 even recording myself when I'm doing these journeys so that I can look back later. Obviously, working my phone on Wachuma was literally one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. <laughs> but uh, looking back on the little bits of video I was able to capture, um, I had no guide, nothing like that. I, I went, it called to me. I had the cactus growing. I it just it something spoke to me to do it. I made the brew and I went into the woods with my dog and I came back about 12 and a half, 18 hours later, something like that, and was just completely changed. But you're hitting on something important because, you know, <laughs> I get asked all the time, like, what is it like? What am I going to feel? How's it going to react to me? Am I going to be this? Am I going to be that? And as much as I take pride in my ability to relay these things in, in ways that people can understand and comprehend, at the same time, a lot of the times it feels almost sacrilegious to, yes. even, to even begin to tell someone how they should expect to feel. Because mm-hmm. there's no way I can know. The only thing I can do is relate to people what I went through, what I felt. I can tell you what it tasted like, um, what you know, the nausea, the bodily feelings, but the spiritual feelings are in and of itself your own. And so now we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of coming full circle to this whole clinical setting psychedelic thing that's coming. And, you know, <laughs> like with your friend, you, you can never really know what these things are going to do. Once after you once you mm-hmm. actually go into them, so I preparation and all these things. But that's that's why I appreciate these kinds of conversations. Like, you know, for instance, my I have a son in North Carolina. I have three kids here, two stepkids and a new newborn baby with my beautiful girlfriend. 
I have a full life and a full family. Congratulations, I, brother. Thank you so much. And Absolutely. I, still do, I, I have a son in North Carolina, my firstborn son with my ex-wife, who I'm literally basically not allowed to see because of these choices, um, because I'm so outspoken about it, because I know these things work and I know the work I do is righteous. And because I'm so outspoken about it, um, you know, I'm kept at an arm's length from him and I'm still considered a drug addict in a lot of ways, even though I'm literally the healthiest I've been my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this balance we have to find, right, of being able to, you know, relay these things. Sorry, my dog's working. Relay okay. these to, uh, to others so that they can feel confident and comfortable to do them, but mm-hmm. also keeping it sacred and, and you know, honoring the things that it came from and and who gave them to you and why it's necessary and you know so it's not a quick fix if anyone's seeing this it's not a quick fix (laughs) no you're the medicine you are the medicine remember that yeah and you know uh you touched on several things there that i would like to tangent on however briefly if you have uh we were going on an hour here but i got like another 30 minutes what do you think um, yeah, I got. I have a doctor's appointment at 3 p.m., but it's right down the street, so I can go another 20 minutes, sure. Another 20 minutes? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, just some of the things you test on there as far as uh, bringing what you experience in the psychedelic realm into reality, um, I think this is really important. And I've, I've used several anecdotes about this on the show before, but uh, during my ayahuasca experience, there was a portion where I was having this – this low where the where the intensity and the violence would kind of you know how it is it comes in waves sometimes yeah. and i was at the i was at the trough of the wave at this point and i had this heavy alpaca blanket laying across my legs across my thighs because it was kind of chilly we were in the andean mountains at a at a pretty good elevation it was kind of a chilly night <clears throat> And I had this big, heavy blanket laying across my legs, and I began to have this vision that this blanket was an anaconda, a big anaconda laying across me. And I got scared. I thought, oh, shit, this snake is going to – this is a huge snake. It can hurt me. It's going to bite me. And then I hear you know, kind of the, the grandmother start to speak to me, and she's like, no, the snake is not going to bite you because the snake is dormant. The snake is sleeping, and the snake is you. And the snake is an aspect of your personality that is dormant that you need to wake up. And I immediately understood what she was what she was trying to say to me. It was because at this point I was cl- pushing close to 300 pounds. I was very overweight, very not living a particularly healthy lifestyle. In fact, the month of the dieta that I did up into the ayahuasca experience was probably like – the healthiest month I had ever lived in the past like 10 years because I had abstained from all my vices and things. But it was, she was basically telling me that this snake is your physicality and yes, it's strong and it's capable of doing damage and it's capable of, of a lot of things, but the snake is dormant and asleep right now. And you should think about waking this snake up and aligning your, your physicality with what you're working on in your mind and in your heart and your soul and that whole entire vision was probably 30 seconds. But since then, I've lost like 35 kilos. I've been in the gym regularly. I've been meditating, yoga, breath work. And it was it was so profound, this tiny little segment, not to mention the myriad of other profundities that I encountered. Um, but, you know, it, it, it catalyzed t- real tangible change in my life that you can literally put on a scale and weigh 
you know? And um, so it really peeves me when people kind of um, minimize it. Oh, you're just doing drugs. You're just getting high. I'm like, first of all, bro, do you think I wanted to do this? When they put that cup of ayahuasca in my hands, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to say, you know what? I changed my mind. Fuck this. No. (laughs) There's bar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so to think that, you know, we're doing this for fun is asinine, albeit there is a level of enjoyment in the curious person, you know, to, to plumb these realms that are like no one else will ever go there because it's all being inspired and happening within your own psyche. And it's, it's all kind of, uh, it's all kind of built around you. So literally when you're going into these deep psychedelic experiences, you're going somewhere no one has ever been and no one will ever go again. Not even you will go back there again. Um, and I think it's important, as Terrence McKenna once said, once you get the message to hang up the phone, you know, and, you know, that doesn't mean you can't pick up the phone again later. But I know after I know after that series of ayahuasca that I was like, uh, I'm good. You know, like I have a lot of shit that I need to work on and taking more psychedelics ain't going to help me because I was given like four clear messages. Do this, do this, don't do this and do this. It's like it can't be any more cut and dry. Um, and I think it's important to, uh, you know, that we're utilizing things like integration and your walk and talk programs and things like this to, you know, the psychedelic experience is, is very important. It can alter your life. Obviously, uh, we both know that, but it's one thing to have a a life altering experience and to not do anything about it. Cause I've done that before too. I've had you know, when I was younger, I've had trips that were so mind bending, so crazy. And all I did was say, holy shit, dude, that was crazy. And that that was the extent of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's integration. And, and, you know, that's why when I first launched Psychedelic Walk and Talk, I put it on the website thinking, you know, we have about 250 active members, like maybe one or two will be interested in doing this. And so I just put an open sign-up form on the website, and I got flooded. Like, literally, I could have been doing one every single day, all day long. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, I have to back off. I have to back off. I have to rethink this entire thing because this is not that simple. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm going to relaunch it next year with, you know, a pretty strict set of prerequisites and aftercare and all this other stuff that goes along with it. You have to be hiking with us. I have to know you. I have to sit with you. I have to you know, learn about what modality would probably work for you, whether it be psilocybin or DMT or cactus. Um, I don't think that I will ever facilitate ayahuasca. I will leave that to um, better people, people more capable of doing that kind of work. Maybe one day when I'm older, um, even cactus, I wouldn't want to do alone. Um, but through through being so outspoken, one of the great things is that, that you know, the people who shepherded, who have known about these things for a long time, find you and give you guidance on how to proceed. So I have some amazing people mm-hmm. kind of behind the scenes telling me, you know, like, for instance, when I make my microdose capsules, I will not make the capsules just because they have to get made. If I will only make them when I'm feeling like dancing, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally like dancing while I make them. Because mm-hmm. then- ounce of that energy goes into every capsule and i see it when the veterans take them on our hikes they they dance 
and I, mm -hmm. and I have nothing to, I, it's just something that comes. And so these, these, this type of care and caution and, and, and love for, for it all, it cannot be quantified. It is so important. Um, mm -hmm. You have to be willing, you have to submit to yourself, to what, like you said, to the things that it's telling you. Um, and this is, to bring it back to veterans, this is why these things are so scary to veterans because like you spend, you know, the better part of 10 years, a decade fighting in an endless war, taking life, watching life get taken. And then you get out for five, 10 years, bouncing on medications and alcohol and DUIs and all this shit. And then all of a sudden you're going to take one potion and it's going to put all of that in front of your face for you to watch and see like, holy shit, I can't believe I did all this stuff. And this was me at one point, but it's just really about acceptance and, you know, accepting what you can't change as part of a, of a dimension that you no longer necessarily even inhabit. And mm -hmm. in, many, in many ways, I feel like, you know, Wachuma for me was going through a dimensional portal that where, where all those things were all of a sudden ready for me to process. Whereas before I was in a dimension that wasn't necessarily ready for me to process. And I remember very clearly um, standing on top of a rock in my underwear. forest, <laughs> <laughs> just screaming the word Afghanistan out and screaming it like with every syllable, like Afghan, like that, like this stand, like, like just like forcing the word out of my mouth because I just, I remember watching like black come out of my mouth and being pierced by the leaves and just, I remember physically watching all this trauma and horror and things I was holding on to falling out of me and being pierced. And then I remember, you know, right after that, everything turned to rattlesnake rattles and I felt the presence of a threat and so I became a tree and I, I assessed the threat as a tree. And again, these things sound bonkers to some people, but um, I think that uh, the, full, the full array of psychedelic work is probably the, the, the thing that could help save the human race in many ways. Like I, I hear Paul Stamets and all of my heroes always saying it. You know, anyone who journeys with psychedelics comes back connected to the environment. The environment is what's killing us right now, whether it be fires or disease or um, even the environment that we've created with um, social inequality and racism in this country. These are all products of a world that no one feels connected to anymore because of this stuff and iPads and this and all that. And so when you start to journey and become connected to your environment, you can't help but want to better it. Mm -hmm. If anything, you know, to, to bring it back to the capitalistic nature of our country, if anything good can come of, you know, this, this profound psychedelic renaissance, I truly hope that it's a deeper connection to everyone around us, sustainability, more communities, more, um, more grasping at, at, at love and acceptance of one another and not relying on unseen people to box food for you and ship it to you in a bag and then you eat it and you like cattle and 
go about your day, go back to work in a cubicle, you know, these things. I don't wish these things for my kids, and <laughs> I certainly don't wish them for anybody, to be honest. So mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of all over the place. No, 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 no. You're touching on something that's happened to, to me literally because – after that ayahuasca ceremony and being in Peru and, and seeing that way of life and just kind of seeing a different way of life than a, my American dream, which was, you know, I went to school for a long time. I had a good education, a good career, and I still have my credentials and all that. I can go back to that if and when I feel like. But without that set of experiences, I would not – I certainly wouldn't be here in fucking Brazil right now, you know, uh, yeah. taking a walkabout through uh, South America. Um, but it opened – yeah, and it, and it opened my eye. It just showed me like, dude, look, all this and, – and it it wasn't even so much that it showed me that it was useless or meaningless. It was like, hey, look, you had this time in your life, and this was important, and it was, and you needed to go through this, and you needed to have this triumph and, and uh, accomplish this thing you set out to accomplish. But this doesn't have to define you anymore. You can move on and be somebody else and, and experience other things in life. And it really opened my eyes to that that – because I had this kind of like fear, like, oh, dude, I worked so hard to get here. I cannot give this up. I cannot uh, do anything to shake up what I've what I've worked so hard for. And then in the midst of this ayahuasca experience, it's saying, hey, look, let's look at let's look at some things that you're afraid of. Let's look at a couple things that you're afraid of. And like I remember this one huge thing I was afraid of was like your job, your career, what you think about yourself. And as it pertains to money and your social status and and all this, and it's like, can you let this go? Do you think you can let this go? And I'm like, no, no, this is too identifying. Like this is everything to me. I worked so hard to get this. And it's like, why can't you let this go? And I'm like, I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. I don't want to let it go. And you know, and and that was the beginning of a process of, of of breaking that tie and saying, you know what, this is not me. My job, my career is not what identifies me. This is not my margin as my career. And that was one of the biggest, most difficult things for me to deal with because I had just put so much pride and so much effort and and like I told myself this story that I was nothing before this and now I'd accomplished something and and now what? You're just gonna like let it go? And I'm like. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> you are speaking the veteran story right now, honestly, because this is the biggest part of it. Like for years when I got out in 2012 from the military, it was like I needed everybody to know that I had done that. I served my country and I fucking was an infantryman and a badass and I got the hat and I got the shirt and I got the backpack and all my patches. And, I, you know, since then, I don't know if you've seen Tropic Thunder, but I always tell veterans you never go full veteran. Like you, you never go full veteran. Like that's just, it's something we did. It's not something we do now. It's not something we are. We're, we're warriors in garden gardens now. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You keep holding on to what, what you, what you're capable of all this stuff, but you got to let that go. You can't Mm -hmm. just sit there and be a veteran the rest of your life. What does that even mean? I mean, you know, war, thousand years ago, if you were a warrior, you would be lucky to live to 35 because of all the shit you would have to do. And, it, and that would be like a dying of old age. And yeah, so then like, yeah, you're a warrior and then you die. Now we live till 80, 90, 100 years old. We're not warriors in our old age. We're not warriors even in our 40s and 50s and 60s. And there's what in, in a lot of ways is our best time on earth when we're the most grounded and the most comprehensible. So yeah, you're hitting it on the head, man. You got to let those things go. And 
that's the that's the that's the number one message I send to veterans who who come on journeys with me is that it's okay to have pride in your service. It's okay to have pride in your your accomplishments and the things you did in uniform and stuff. But it doesn't define you. It's not who you are anymore. It's not it's not who Colin is anymore. And once you can accept that, like for me with the violence, you start to comp- compartmentalize it and start to shed it a little bit. So mm-hmm. head, man. I, that's beautiful hearing you say that. Thank you, man. And I and I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that is that's definitely a good correlation there. Well, man, I think we've 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 done some some good things here, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Why don't you run down the listeners one more time on websites, social medias, and things where they can get in contact with you? Yeah, thank you so much, Clint. It's uh, Clinton, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank you so much, brother. Like this has been. And talking about this stuff is it, it gives me goosebumps. It's just a true passion for me, and I, I hope one day you and I get to, you know, share some space and talk in person. Um, yeah. But yeah, Veterans Walk and Talk, uh, spelled just like it sounds, at Veterans Walk and Talk on Instagram. Um, VeteransWalkandTalk.com is our website with our member form. We're active in San Diego, Sacramento, and Los Angeles. Um, we have VWATStore.com, VWATStore.com which is our, um, we got some cool mushroom shirts and stuff up there that all proceeds go to helping further our mission. And then um, let's see, what else? Uh, <laughs> I'm always bad at the plug. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, the Veterans Walk the Talk podcast. Uh, we have, that's out on all platforms. Um, you can search Veterans Walk the Talk, not Walk and Talk, Veterans Walk the Talk podcast. And we talk uh, all things psychedelics. I, I've interviewed some cactus uh growers i'm going to be inter- interviewing some mushroom people um and a lot of veterans who have taken journeys come on and, and talk about what they went through and all that stuff so um yeah you can check that out i'd love to have you on sometime that'd be awesome we could talk about some some cool stuff and and yeah if you ever want to if you want to check in you know after we do some more journeys with veterans and stuff like that and i can kind of run through how it's going i'd love to do that with you absolutely dude i'd love to do an update episode i can shoot you this audio too because i mean as a podcaster i know how how valuable time is and sitting down to talk with somebody for an hour and a half shit you can put that on you can swap it on your podcast if you want to um absolutely absolutely um yeah man it's been a pleasure to to meet you in the digital realm i I say this to all my guests i hope and look forward to meeting you in, in real life that'd be fantastic and uh I'll be in touch with you, and I'll put you in conne- in connection with my buddy Andy. Yes, please. And uh, and uh, I'll I'll be I'll be linking all your stuff and promoting all your stuff throughout the next week. This episode will drop Monday, and I know it's the holidays coming up, uh, so I won't bother you too much this week. But uh, I'll be oh, promoting no. your shit. We already did our vacation. We're back now. We're back at it. Bye. Oh, we're dude me and me and me and the girl and her son we're about to we're going to the beach tomorrow because i mean it's fucking brazil dude like in covid so <laughs> we're going to the beach for christmas mushrooms, man. Just pr- protect that fungal network within you you'll be fine absolutely um, but yeah man please just you know keep in touch with me this has been a pleasure brother stay safe. same brother. here same here thanks colin take care okay bye clinton Ladies and gentlemen, the soothing sounds of Colin Wells. Colin, thank you so much for joining us, dude. It really was a pleasure to meet you. Um, you know, I've said this a bunch of times on the show, but and I think I actually said it to Colin during the episode. Um, so, unfortunately, I'm going to beat a dead horse here. Um, 
so often when I do this, I get to meet uh, not only my heroes, but really cool people in, in this, uh, in this field, in this realm, in this world, um, in this, uh, realm of interest. And Colin is one of those people who, uh, I just, you know, we connected on Instagram and his Instagram is awesome. Uh, his love for mycology is inspiring. I just happened to click into one of his lives a couple nights ago and he was, uh, he was in a lab coat in front of his, uh, his, uh, God damn it. What's it called? Uh, laminar flow hood. Sorry. Uh, he was, he was in his lab coat in front of his laminar flow hood doing some grain to grain and just jamming out. And then he like uploaded a little dance video. And I mean, for a dude who's been through so much heavy shit, it's wonderful to see somebody so lighthearted. And uh, he was a, it was a pleasure to talk with Colin. It was a pleasure to talk with you, Colin. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to connect him with, a, with an earlier show guest, Andy Melder, from my home state of Texas, the great city of Houston, who is also a, uh, a veteran working with plant medicines and facilitating healing um, opportunities and modalities for other veterans. Actually, I've already put them in touch as of the recording of this episode. But... I say all that just to the point that Colin is a fantastic dude. He's doing a great work. Uh, it was great to talk to him. And it's always nice to meet someone who is able to discontinue taking themselves so seriously. Um, not that Colin is not a serious dude. And, and a lot of the things that we cover are was and is and are very, sub, very serious subject matters. Um, but, you know, he hasn't let uh, life hold him down or... He's been able to regain his uh, his uh, sense of humor, and uh, that's always something nice to see. And uh, his Instagram is fantastic. You should follow it if you just wanna if you wanna get involved with what he's doing. Follow what he's working on. Veterans Walk and Talk on IG, uh, VeteransWalkandTalk.com on the on the interwebs, and uh, I will stop fanboying now. Colin, thanks again. We'll get him back on the show again later as 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 uh, his project progresses for sure. Uh, beyond all that, dude, you guys know that uh, it's a great help to us if you join us on the Patreon page. That'll be www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. You can support the show that way. You can come on and be a part of the show that way. You also have access to tons of, uh, tons of uh, exclusive and interesting content that no one else will get. Uh, but we've already broken all that down in the beginning of the show. Beyond that, share this episode with your friends and family, especially those of you in the armed forces. Colin had a lot of good uh, information in this episode, and uh, I'm really excited about his microdosing stacks. I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. He's he's really pushed the microdosing stack, and uh, I would love to get out there and, and go on one of his walk and talks for sure one of these days. But we'll we'll remain in touch, and maybe we can make that happen in reality. That'd be that'd be fucking really cool. Uh, share the episode on social media. Follow us there on social media at Psychedelicast on Instagram and Facebook. Follow Colin and Veterans Walk and Talk, and all of the good work that they do there. We're going to leave you with a quote and get out of your ear until we meet again. And today we'll leave you with this quote from a kingpin philosopher in Psychedelia as we know it, one Mr. Alan Watts. You didn't come into this world. You came out of it. Like a wave from the ocean, you are not a stranger here. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, a final thank you for joining us once again on this segment of Psychedelicast. It's been a real pleasure having you as always. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Stay safe and stay close together during this holiday season. I know it's a little bit different than usual, but we're all in this together. Thank you guys for spending this time and joining us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.